Hello friend, and welcome to the Let Me Play Project. My name is Sarah, and I am a procrastinator. I've been putting off this introduction for weeks and weeks and weeks because there was so much to say and so little to say all at once. And I've never been good at introductions, writing introductions, so I've always had to do everything else first and then go back and do the introduction last. But in the spirit of introductions, let me introduce you to the rest of Let Me Play. This first episode is going to be a very self-reflexive episode. It is going to be about play itself. Play, as you might imagine, is a very important word to me. In fact, I consider it the essence of who I am, but it's become so important recently because I've decided that I wanted to reclaim it for myself. I got plenty of opportunities to play and to frolic and be merry as uh, as a kid, which I'm super grateful for and very much enjoyed. But I also experience lots of discouragement from play for very silly reasons, like being too tall, or if I wasn't too tall, I was too old, or if I wasn't too old, then I wasn't good enough, or I didn't fit in. And so I wound up like finding my own way, of course, and figuring out how to play on my own or with people that I clicked with. But those discouragements really hurt. And it made my play be diminished. So now that I've kind of reached a, a peak on my, my hike of life, so to speak, I've decided I wanted to take a nice long rest here on this stopping point because I have proven to myself that I can do a really good job functioning in society like a normal person, but it's just not fulfilling to me in this moment. And I'm I can feel myself becoming apathetic and disinterested and not even a bit stubborn and not willing to contribute to the work that I do if I am not fulfilled in myself. So in the spirit of getting back to my playfulness, I've decided to launch myself into a year, hopefully, of self-investment. I'm going to be re-immersing myself into activities that I was either pulled out of or discouraged from being in or just wasn't wasn't deemed good enough to be in or just never got to try that I've always been interested in. And I'm also going to be taking classes and learning new skills. And I'm also going to be reconnecting with people who uplift me and support me and who I am inspired by, which is where I got the inspiration from this podcast. So the podcast was always going to be the through line in the heart of this project, but my initial plan was just to release it after I had, you know, a few episodes in the can and got a head start so that I wouldn't be too much of a hamster running in a wheel week to week. But then I was on YouTube one day and I saw that one of my favorite YouTubers, Michelle Carre, had created this 30-day challenge program for anybody to 
enroll in. Michelle is most known for her challenge accepted videos where she takes on and really fully assumes the role of a specific occupation or job or athlete, um, some like grand feat of professionalism or athleticism or creativity. And she really trains it, trains that skill or job or occupation intensively for usually about 30 days, but sometimes sometimes a lot longer. But what's really great is that at the end of her training periods, she always has a a testing moment, a final challenge, not only to test her training, but also her ability to assume the role and just to challenge herself. And I've always been really motivated by these videos and I watch all of them and they're so interesting to me because I feel like that continuous training that goes along hand in hand with each of these videos is really similar to the lifestyle that I would like to lead. And when I saw this 30-day challenge that she was putting on for everybody, I decided, well, you know, she could do it, so why not me? Admittedly, I'm always pretty skeptical about these types of programs because as an editor, I'm very aware of the fact that, you know, there's a lot of either intentional or unintentional manipulation that goes on in crafting a product, especially in a, in a video. But Michelle just always has this genuine spirit in all of her videos. And she does a really great job of letting her viewers see how vulnerable she is and how hard she's working. And I just find that really admirable. And since I did resonate with her videos, so much, I decided to enroll in the Challenge Accepted Academy. And I'm so, so glad I did because these past, these past 30 days have been wonderful. They've been scary. They've been so supportive. They've been fun and they've been challenging. And I'm sure that I could have created this podcast and this whole project without this specific program, but this project is so much better for me having invested in myself and deciding to to trust the program and to really try because what I gained from it was more than I expected. All of that is to say I am taking this opportunity to really lean into activities that feel good, that feel right to me. And so in this 30-day challenge, I've been really trying to build out a schedule for myself with some of those activities. Last year, I finally started training Irish dance, which was something I always wanted to do and did get to do in college, but I never got to take class. So I did that all of that last year and I'm doing it this year. I also started going back to the gymnastics gym by my place because they have adult open gym there and I can play around and work on a little bit at a time and progress at my own pace. I also started weightlifting, just like really basic intro stuff, but that was something I wanted to do in high school but was too scared. And I also started training Aikido, which again was something I wanted to do since high school, but was swept to the swept to the wayside and has come up a few times, but has never 
solidified itself till now. But I've noticed that in these past 30 days, as I've been trying to stick to a schedule and trying to incorporate these things, I feel so in tune with myself as I'm doing these activities and as soon as I leave them. And if I go a few days without doing them, then I start to feel sad or I start to feel like I'm neglecting uh, a big part, an intrinsic part of me, which is that I do love to play. And it's it's not just something that I want to do leisurely, it's that I want I want an element of play to inspire the things that I do and not have it only as a, a delicacy or a reward. And I really tried to pay attention in 2021 to the things that I felt most called to. 2021 was a very important year for me because it was essentially the 11th hour. I really paid attention to the times in 2021 where I felt the most fulfilled And I really acknowledged the times when I felt the most despondent and apathetic. And actually my biggest culture shock of the year and probably that I've ever experienced was something that had to do with play. I had a beautiful unexpected opportunity to go down to Columbia last year for a a work trip through a friend of mine and Amidst some of the more obvious differences between lifestyles here and there, what really stuck out to me was the overall excitement for adventure, the appreciation of a good meal, of good food, the celebration of music, and the love and need for for community and for authentic communication. And... All of that, I think, encompasses play. So after that trip, which was in the summer, I just became increasingly aware of the little things that I can do to shift my lifestyle to become more playful. And I started paying attention to the moments where I felt the most fulfilled and also the moments where I became apathetic and despondent. And I noticed that in those moments of apathy, it was when I wasn't learning anymore, or I felt like I had grown out of the environment that I was in. I also paid attention to the people that I was surrounding myself with, and I found that there were people who had no forced interest in me, like they weren't related to me or they weren't There was no reason for them to go out of their way to be nice to me. And some of these people would just say the kindest things and see things in me that I hadn't been told in a really long time. And they see me not only as a person, but as an individual. And I I really appreciate that. So one of these people is Joe Benford. Joe works in the fascinating world of post-production in filmmaking, which is how I met him, but he also is an artist himself. 
He is a filmmaker, director, editor, extraordinaire, and he's a soccer player, and he's an adventurer, and he's an overall goofball. Joe and I work together from September through December of 2021, and Joe would always make the office an excitable place to be in, uh, and I always looked forward to to his antics and to see what he was up to each day. Uh, we had, <laughs> there were several weeks where we would have a spirit week and we would all wear different costumes on different days. We were taking COVID tests three times a week and Joe would always happily transport us to the COVID testing area on the golf cart, which he preferred to use his pocket knife to ignite rather than the key that was in my office. And he also encouraged us for a while to take some walks or hold some planks. And, you know, it was just, it was just plain fun having him as a coworker. One of my favorite Joe Benford moments, of which there are many, was actually quite a small moment that he probably doesn't even remember. But I was tidying up in the kitchen or something one morning and he walked in and noticed that the, the water cooler was empty and that the jug needed to be replaced. And he just got really excited and he looked at it and jumped up and said, oh, I get to do this. And then he just delightfully replaced the, the jug. And I just thought that that moment was so beautiful because to anybody else or to most people that that was just a task. That was just something else that needed to be done. But I really loved that Joe could look at that little thing and be like, oh, I get to do this today. This is what I get to do. And his optimism and his motivation and his finding the little moments of joy, the little moments of play and something so trivial and so routine, I, I thought was just invaluable. So who better to start the Let Me Play project with and who better to converse about play with than Joe Benford? So without further ado... Thank you to Joe for encouraging me to play and being a huge source of inspiration and encouragement to me in this project. Thanks to Michelle Carre for not only creating the Challenge Accepted Academy, but for being so invested in and present with everybody who enrolled. Thank you to everybody in the Challenge Accepted Academy program, especially to my lovely buddy, Carol, who cheered me on and cheered me up without fail these past 30 days. Thanks to my sweet brother Ian for composing, recording, and mixing all of the music for this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. I'm so excited to be on this journey of self-exploration, and I'm so grateful to have you by my side. So, let's play.
Hi, Joe. Hey, how's it going, Sarah? I'm so good. Thank you for inviting me into your home and sharing your space with me. I really appreciate it. It's so good to see you. Awesome. Awesome. I'm I'm excited and scared to death all at the same time. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Okay, cool. Well, I really wanted to to talk to you on on this podcast because I you're you're a big source of inspiration and support for me and you're kind of a really big uh, support for this this whole endeavor. And so I thought it would only be fitting to to kind of kick this whole thing off by talking to you specifically about play. About what? About play. You might not be familiar with it, but I think you would like it. I am sipping wine, by the, by the way. Oh, yes, we both are. Yes. Mm. Very okay. delicious. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so, hi. <Yeah>. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, let's just see. Let's just see. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I thought you were the perfect person to, to kind of start this off because you just have such a playful spirit in you and you just find the joy in, in everything. And I absolutely love that in, in anybody, but in you specifically. So I really just kind of want to know, where does that come from in you? Have you always been playful or did oh, something okay. ignite it? Or I was hoping you could just share a little <laughs> bit of that with me. Uh, th- thank <laughs> Um, okay. So I'm a nut. First of all, you know that I'm a complete, yes. um, and total idiot. Uh, a little bit bonkers. Uh, yeah. A little bit bonkers. Um, thank you. I, 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 I think, um, my playfulness definitely comes from, <clears throat> um, my mom who, uh, just didn't know any strangers. Um, uh, she was always looking, um, she had a curious side about her. And so, I think that, you know, um, you mentioned play. Um, I see curiosity and why in play, because it's like, if you want to play, you know, you want to know the rules or you want to know who you're playing with, or you really want to know what's the history of this game. You know, what are we doing? I think the reason that I um, enjoy being um, playful is just, I've been around, you know, people in my life who inspire um, happiness. Yeah, yeah, and they you feel comfortable enough around them to share that with them and to be playful around them. Yeah, and I, th- I guess it's kind of like taking chances. I don't know. I mean, we it comes from siblings. You know, our right. siblings totally um, are our play partners. When you grow up, you know, you're not dating or living with anybody. So your, your best friends are usually your, you know, your buddies that you hang out with. That sounded weird, but anyway, <laughs> it's your, your family. Yeah. And so my brother and I were these kindred spirits who just like, we built forts, we ran in the forest, we had a couple of Airedales and, um, that was our playfulness. So we had all of this, um, you know, like, curiosity about making things yeah including visual things okay so i kind of digress i just feel like back to you sarah with an h (laughs) no that's great well i think people's tolerance for a play 
Because some people don't like it. Some people are uncomfortable with it as they get older. I think um, I think it comes from different places. It feels very natural when you're younger. But if you learn that you're perhaps excluded or you learn that certain types of play are more correct than others, like, for example, with sports, um, that's a pretty like societally accepted form of play, I would say. Uh, and then also, too, anything that is that you can turn into a, a money-making machine. Right. So well, there's different avenues. Well, there's yeah, there's totally different avenues. And I think, I mean, what you and I as artists, um, that's so funny. I just refer to myself as an artist. But we are <laughs> we are not of the of the cloth you know we're not bankers or attorneys sure yeah um and so the ability to express yourself and even doing what you're doing right now producing this podcast um is a form of a form of play but i think escape is the is the goal Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. kind of um examining things from different ways but um anyway it's a long long answer to your very cool question so (laughs) well no I think you're right I think that being playful does open up those neural pathways or at least it keeps them it can keep them open to connect those dots neural pathways I like that so what do you mean by that Well, I think sometimes if you don't, I think it's like a skill, you know, um, like anything, where if you don't practice it, then you lose that ability to tap back Mm. into it. And that's happened to me with several things. But um, like if when innately creative people stop being creative Mm -hmm. for a while, I think it it's hard for them to to jump back into it and, you know, immediately pick up where they left off. Or if you take some time off for the gym, you're not going to be able to lift what you did before. Yeah, well, okay. So now we're going into the, you know, as you move on in your career, there's a whole thing about 10,000 hours. What are you going to do? I want to create. I want to direct. I want to write. I want to produce. Ultimately, in the people in the industry, after you're in it for a decade or so, <clears throat> my voice is still cracking, um, is that you, um, you know, your 10,000 hours become kind of what you are. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if I can find the wavelength where I was going with this. Um, oh, and the more time that you spend mm-hmm. in your craft, whatever it is, there's a safety valve in the comfort zone of what you become. Mm-hmm. But the real chance for play kind of goes back to the youth. And it doesn't mean age. It means a youthful mind that's able to explore letting go and letting go of fear. Because the more things we get as we get older, like we have a a house we have to pay for, we have kids, college funds and, you know, trips and just keeping mortgages going and all that. But um, so I just want to say we're, you know, you and I are, you know, just a little bit different in age. And I think it's easier to think about play and exploration typically for folks who were in their 20s and I'm not in my 20s so I think um play is is relative to your age you know it's yeah. not 
just, you can't just dream it up at a certain point. Some people get jaded and you're like, yeah, I remember when I used to play. Yeah. Go on, youngster. Tell me about it. (laughs) Well, that's why uh, I'm so, like, it tickles me so much to hear about all your, your adventures and the fact that you, you know, you're, you're still out there playing, playing soccer very much into it. Um, And then also, you know, you're gallivanting across the world and making your travel show and doing all sorts of things. Mm. Yeah, uh, this is the first time that anybody's ever heard of that. So yes, I have done, well, not the soccer part, because everybody knows I'm, I'm a soccer nut. But yeah, no, you're right. I am, I'm still evolved, not involved, not evolved, but um, I want to become evolved. I'm more right. involved in um, in travel and um, just meeting new people. And, you know, so this is cool. I'm, I feel like I'm meeting you for the first time because now I've got, you know, now I feel like everybody's in the room with us. <laughs> well, they are, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, travel is one of those things where it's, I would say it's another like socially accepted means of play Mm -hmm. um you know they don't people tend to really celebrate that instead of you know kind of scoffing at it What, what, what go further what do you mean well usually when when people say that they're traveling uh there's an association or a context with it saying like usually subliminally that you know we're going over to this new place we're going to experience some new things we're going to learn some stuff also we can afford to go over there and the implication that we can afford to go somewhere means that we've worked and contributed to society and made the money i see yeah so there's a lot a lot going into that so i you know there is that stigma i think um i have some family members who have proven that um uh, as we're all, you know, sitting here drinking wine, you can hear us, um, that money is not necessarily and shouldn't be a thing that slows you down from travel. Yeah. Now, what should slow you down from travel right now <laughs> is the big giant elephant in the room. And by that, I mean this wine glass. No, uh-huh. um, <laughs> COVID. The right. elephant, COVID. <laughs> um, that is a big uh, pain in the... Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. not to drop an F-bomb, but it sometimes it might come naturally. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm not in the elementary school anymore, but I want my family to hear this. So, um, no, what I've, I, I've always been interested in other countries and I moved, I tried to play soccer professionally. I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. So I moved, I thought I was moving to England at 15 and I was with a, a pretty high end travel team and we were seen by some scouts and I didn't, nothing ever happened with that. Mm-hmm. But I think... Sarah, you know, it's not a society thing. It's a, or a, you know, you have to make enough money to travel. You have to be safe with travel right now, but you can go on to all sorts of flights and sites and get, you know, um, a 600, 400, 500 round trip to Europe. And once you're in the UK or in Spain or, you know, Amsterdam or, you know, Italy, you can fly around from, you know, country to country for oh, like so $98. Yeah. So I, I just want to, you know, point out that, you know, I'm just going off. I don't even know what the script is for tonight, but I just want to say that, you know, travel is so much part of, um, the curiosity of meeting other cultures because 
I, um, I love, you know, enjoying new languages and, and, um, being lost. So I think part of play is not knowing the rules, but then you get there and you ask, okay, so what's the rules here? And people right. are like, well, we drink red wine and we like cappuccinos mm-hmm. and, um, we'd like you to try to speak our language mm-hmm. and we'll respect you. Right. Or right, something. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Blah, no. blah, blah. No, that's wonderful. I digress. I, so, um, you've got a lot of notes. I'm curious. Was I, did any of that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you touched on a lot of great things. Um, and also referred back to why, why play is, um, like in what context it's important to you again with the curiosity and having to, you know, stimulate you a little bit intellectually, um, Mm -hmm. and have that element to it, which I think is really important. And it's something that, a lot of us don't typically get because you have to put a lot more work into it to find that, to find something really authentic. But I am curious to hear if on any of your ventures, if you've been able to get a sense of what play is like to other nations or other cultures um, and yeah, expand on sure, that a little. Sure, I, I mean, Obviously, um, playing soccer as an example is, is, you know, I've experienced that in the UK. Um, hello, Cornerstone. I hope you're listening, mates. Um, that's to my buddies in the Cotswolds. So, um, yeah, I, I'm the oldest center forward that they have. <laughs> They're all like 19 to 27. Um, so my experience with their play is their love of this, you know, world game um, called soccer or as they call it football, um, is that is their passion. So my experience of, you know, for example, just learning what play is like in the UK is, well, play is defined by, um, going to the pubs with their mates. So play is very much, um, a friendship bond, a little bit more than what we have here in the States. I think play is more um, mates, guys getting together and going to a pub and sitting and watching a game. Very now communal. we have, yeah, very communal. So, uh, you know, I don't want to talk forever, but that's my example of play with, with the UK. Great question. What um, have you found in your life in play? Um, what has defined play for you and what, what other cultures have you gone to? I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for me, it's just been finding finding what feels good and finding, kind of like you were saying, uh, feeding my curiosity a bit. <laughs> <laughs> like your curiosity of what was that noise? And also like throwing my phone around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know all that stuff. Um, but no, like trying trying new things, getting my my brain to work in different ways has been fun. And then also going on going on. Uh, you know, like physical adventures, outdoors, um, hiking, rafting, that sort of thing. And hiking. It's, yeah, yeah. Anytime where I can blend, you know, or like nourish, I guess, like different parts of me at the same time is super fulfilling and is a really good outlet of play. Nourishing, say that again, because I just, my brain traveled to that oh, yeah. part again. Yeah, anything that's been nourishing for different parts of me. So when 
like for example, if you're hiking, mm -hmm. you are not only getting the physical uh, aspect of it, but if you're hiking with a buddy or a friend, then you have a social kind of fulfillment as well. And then uh, you're also presumably hiking in a, a pretty place mm -hmm. or there's at least something out there in nature that kind of captures your eye. So it kind of hits you on multiple levels. And so I found that for me, I find the most fulfilling play to kind of hit multiple levels and not just be, uh, you know, singularly targeted. Right. And, and, you know, it's interesting as you were describing hiking, which I love too, it's yeah. an escape. It's, you know, I think, um, to me, you, you come off as, uh, in my perspective of you, Sarah, is that you are both an introvert and an extrovert. You, you have the outgoing side of you and you have the introverted side or the internal, you know, kind of spirit. Um, and I think hiking for me is that place where you find you get to hear the inner voice. Right. You know, you were talking about acting or, or, or should I say, um, interacting on it with, mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I dig hiking. I think that's always part of travel. So it, it becomes part of, um, you know, the curiosity. It's funny. I would love right now to come up with other synonyms so that we don't have to keep saying the word play. So, I mean, I'm not in charge, but I'm just throwing that out there. Like what other things do we think of, you know, cause I keep thinking exploration. I keep thinking, yeah. um, you know, uh, curiosity. Well, that's expansion. the thing. It can be, it can be defined in, in so many ways for so many people. So for you, you said it was curiosity. It could also be adventure. It could mm -hmm. also be socializing, like mm -hmm. what you said with, mm -hmm. with, with your mates in the UK. Um, I think it can also be therapeutic for people. Right. So it just, it's interesting to me where people's minds go when they, when they think of what they enjoy doing right. and then i think that's really it it's just yeah. what they enjoy doing I, you know we're, we're we're beating around a very um connected uh a point you know shared experience that you and i want and that is i think play for us is also story yes okay very much and so story play to me is not necessarily fun mm -hmm. it's conflictive but it's honest so play for me is an exploration of um uh you know uh, uh, an inner voice mm -hmm. that you hope in your expression in your writing in your performance in your directing in the in the in the visual medium would inspire as I point to you right now, would inspire others to be inspired to think about their conflicts right. and their their joys and their sorrows. And it's kind of a visual or aural mm -hmm. therapy. So I think play to me is is like, you know, I grew up as a child actor, but it doesn't mean that I, and I love theater. So I, I think of play in the words of you know, being able to stand up and make people realize, you know, a hundred feet away that I'm crying or that I'm laughing. Right. Um, but I think um, just being present 
um, anyway, I'm just blah, blah, blah. But I just want to, I don't want to let go of the fact that you and I are, are basically storytellers in our, in our mediums. We're in the film industry. We're examining, you know, other mediums to, 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 to play with. Absolutely. Um, but you know, I, you, you have such a deep mind. I'm like the little baby and you're my teacher. So <laughs> please ask away. Yeah. Well, no, you brought up a great point that we are in the industry of make-believe and that's, you know, that's, that's what we're doing. We're putting stories together and we're sharing them with, with the world. And some, you know, some stories might be more, I don't know, like there might be some that are more, um, educational perhaps or more like relevant or but then some are just fun and but the important thing is that they're that they're out there and they're being told and also that they're um at the very least they're a means of escape like you said before right. for people right um so do you think that industries like the film industry or theater or any of these arts industries that are based in make-believe are they inevitably helpful to to the masses uh, hmm. yes yes they are yes they are because no matter what your speed is no matter what floats your boat you know what i mean but no but whatever um gets you motivated um is out there um people criticize different types of mediums and you know maybe some things are too violent for some and they're too happy for others so people don't want to go see comedies all the time and they don't want to see something too dark i just need something in the middle um you know that's a great question i think uh the the bigger medium that that we're that i think we're covering up in in our um, visual mediums is the moment to really absorb a good story just by reading. And I guess my playfulness, uh, and and I know yours too, because I know you you read a lot, is to um, discover others in 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 just, you know, finding your nose in a good book. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so but the, I so I am truly answering your question. Yes, we are doing it, but yes, we can do better. There in, in the visual medium of of cinema, I think we have lost ourselves in a little bit too much um, exploration in a story that belongs to somebody else, but not to us. So I like human stories that relate to how I feel, that I can come back and relate to my relationships and my family or in you know my love life or with my siblings or you know with friends or conflict how to solve things i don't get a lot of that from an exploding ship yeah or a special human character that can fly from one building to another sure. now i get a great escape <laughs> and i love to play from that because i can laugh and i can you know get some moments and there are great human moments but i am criticizing the very thing that we get paid to do because I think there are the best of stories. For example, my the time that we got it right and we didn't make this, but Shawshank Redemption. I mean, you can't, you know Shawshank Redemption? Oh, of course. And yeah. it is, um, for me, um, my Shawshank Redemption experiences, I was able to work on um, hidden figures about 
Catherine Johnson mm-hmm. and her math experience, you know, with NASA, Selma, which was awesome, and talk, you know, crossing the bridge. Um, you know, these are things, and and there there are others that I'm not thinking of right now that I'll come up with, but I'm not trying to make it about me. But I want to throw it back to you. Tell me what you find about our industry. Are we hitting the mark? Because I, you know, I want to know more about you. I think we are. I think we are because people, I don't know a single person who doesn't like movies or who won't, uh, you know, that doesn't appreciate art in some, in some way that doesn't appreciate a good story. But yeah, I think that different pieces of art or different movies or whatever the medium have different intentions and, you know, different intentions strike strike different chords for different people you know mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's it's very subjective and yeah, you can't true. paint with a paint with a, a broad brush there but i do think that there are other industries based on make believe that maybe they didn't even start as industries but i was thinking about or i have been thinking about we just got out of a holiday season but at least christmas is you know, it it is a whole industry, at least in this country, uh, right. you yeah, know, where, sure. you know, it goes on for years and years and years for, for people, you know, you know, uh, passing these traditions on with children. And then, uh, of course, like all of the, the merchandise that goes along with it. And of course, like buying, 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 spending, spending, spending. And it's all based around, you know, stories and myths. So, true. yeah. True. true. But I think that's a little different than okay, movie well, making. Yeah. So what's your what's your point about that? Because I'm curious. I'm trying to get into what you're saying about Christmas. Yeah, I'm. Things like that make me pause for a second because I'm not sure how healthful they are for and, people. And are you talking about the the like Santa Claus and you know gift giving and what 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 about it? The, the Santa Claus specifically. Right. Yeah. The gift giving, anything that comes out of, you know, friendship or charity or family, like any of those values, I think holds authenticity and holds some sort of. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. For our youngest family members who are listening, and I haven't dropped any four letters yet, um, I, you know, for me growing up, with, um, in a Christian house, but we, we celebrated Christmas, you know, for me, it was all about the presents. You know, I just couldn't wait. And the thought of this mysterious person that was going to break into our house and come through the chimney and leave a present just was absolutely magical. And, and, um, so, there is something about that mm-hmm. that is still cool. Yeah. Um, I was in San Sebastian, um, Spain, uh, around Christmas time this year. And it's funny, I walked out of this um, hotel uh, and I, there was a big celebration of an old person. I'm sure somebody's listening. They're like, oh, you should know this. It's like Thomas or something. But, the, but when Jennifer and I arrived... Um, we had just missed because of some 
funny travel plans. We missed this entire celebration where the people wore all of their authentic clothing dating back for this big, huge day. And and literally the youngsters and their teenagers and 20-somethings were wearing clothes uh, reminiscent of this character. And I'm sorry, um, Jennifer's not here to explain it, but um, it, it, so everybody got crazy and, and we arrived late and I, we saw all these people waiting to get on the bus who couldn't drive because various and sundry reasons, including drinking way too much that they were in their old clothes. But the next morning when we came out, there was all of these nativity scenes in this park and, and kids and like school groups. And I'm thinking, wow, it's right. You know, I've already left the States. It's, it's like the 19th to 20th, 21st of, of December, people should be out of school. But nevertheless, there were these school groups walking through this park. And I thought it was cool, their connection to, you know, looking at what was in the park. So I don't know. Where am I going with this? I don't know. It's Christmas has become very um, commercial. Mm-hmm. I think here in the U.S., my favorite holiday on the planet is Thanksgiving because yeah. Thanksgiving is about family right. and Thanksgiving is about sharing and we have discussions and, and so on. So yeah, I don't, I don't get into the commercialism of Christmas and um, it's not you know, speaking to where my, my heart lies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. And, and Thanksgiving tends to be uh, one of my favorites, if not my favorite absolute favorite as well, just because it really taps into, into those values and there's not really a gimmick associated with it or a pressure to enjoy the moment, which makes me curious also if you've noticed in any of your, in any of your, uh, escapades or adventures or anything, when you've paid for, uh, an adventure like a cruise for example or just like anything like that where you pay a sum of money to go on an adventure or an activity is there a pressure associated with it to then enjoy the activity or do you think that you're having an authentic experience while you're doing it the reason I can't identify with that necessarily is that I, there's only been I've only been on one cruise Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, it ended up, it was a black tie cruise. I went on with my mom, who's not on the planet anymore. But I remember it was um, uh, 700 people, kind of a smaller size thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't feel any pressure because of the money, but I've never spent so much money that I was worried about um, the experience that I was getting. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, the real money that we spend that I think we all, that I can relate to because it's not monetary, is the money in time. I think about, I'm going to spend, you know, so much time, four days, 10 days, whatever amount in this new place. What am I absorbing from it? What am I getting from that? What are some cool new experiences? Because I think going to a city and spending 10 days is way too much time. Okay, I think you I think you you're missing a lot. I think you have to kind of move around and and you know, get a sense of some things mm-hmm. and then because you always want to come back for more but but look for something else. So, um 
why, why, what led you to write that question or come up with that question? Have you been in an experience where you have, um, you know, had expectations based on the amount of money and been disappointed or, you know, I'm curious in your travel and you've been abroad, right? I have. Yeah. So where have you, tell me about your places. Where have you gone to? Oh, sure. Well, I, like you, I've been to the UK. I've spent some, some time there. Uh, and then most recently, well, most recently I also went to the UK again. Um, but then before that I was in, uh, Columbia for about 10 days actually. (laughs) Um, and that was, I'd never been to South America before, so that was uh, completely different. And I know no Spanish, so (laughs) it was very much a culture shock. But what I noticed when I was there was that everybody there was just, that I encountered at least, was so playful in their spirit. And they were so adventurous, Mm -hmm. and they really just leaned into it and appreciated it on essentially all of the facets that we've talked about tonight like it was very much a an adventure mm-hmm. um activity and there were it was an arts thing there was lots right. of music and dancing and all that uh, and lots of good food and then there was a huge social aspect of it as well very you know, communal you know what i just realized that you and i we've been another thing that's like right here we yeah can, grasp we it. reach for it is um i did i say reach for it or reach for it is that playfulness for me and i see that in you it's about giving somebody else the gift of understanding and and laughter and and just basically um i don't know just uh wanting to lift up the other person Mm -hmm. i think that is what um i love about going to other places is um telling the other people thank you yeah and um seeing the the joy from from them um uh so yeah i don't know you were just talking about colombia and it, it made me you know just seeing your expression um think about the joy that you know other cultures get from seeing outsiders and i think um we get from uh meeting a new person or you know um, hearing a new story. I think what we do in our play, in our individual play, and I'm looking at you, Sarah, mm-hmm. is that even, you know, when you and I were dancing in the hallways where we were making up stories or we're juggling oranges or riding in a golf cart. Or practicing marching band. Or practicing marching band. I was learning the way that you would march <laughs> and keep your body perpendicular to the wall mm-hmm. and turn your head with the flute and do this funny step. Mm-hmm. And what? how did you start it off? Click, march, click. How, how did it go? <laughs> uh, let's see. It was mark time. Mark, mark time. And one, one, two, two, three, four. four. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, we would make videos mm-hmm. for our crew to inspire them. Yeah. And... Um, and bring out the playfulness in them. I think we're. I think what it comes down to is, in our world, we're so focused on production and 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 I don't mean filmmaking. I mean output of material that if we don't bring joy and um, personality and interest in the other person mm-hmm. in the workplace, then I think play is just something that we've left on the school ground is and and by the way it's it means that you're not interested in anybody except just punch a clock and get this done and don't talk to me and I don't want to hear I'm not interested in you I just just I want to see performance 
and and our greatest kind of assets in um, in companies are people. And when those of us like you and I have met people who love us, who want to bring out the best in us, all we want to do is play for them. All we want to do is explore with them. All we want to do is give of our own time with them. So I think play is kind of a, um, is a gift and that we give to others. Okay. I think so too. I think so too. And pure joy in adults, at least, is pretty rare, I think, Mm -hmm. because like you mentioned before, people just tend to get caught up in the routine and what they have to do versus what they what they want to do or what we want to do. Right. And so I think it's really important to to find those moments, but also to find the people that allow you to have those moments. And I think we need to find adults that will do that. Yes. I, I want you and I to let each other know when we think we're adults. <laughs> oh, that is not that is my not mentality. A, that's, that's not me. Not me. <laughs> I want to know. Not at the all. The adult is the old person. Oh yeah, that's it. Couldn't be me. <laughs> the connotation of adult is like, <laughs> well, they're set in their ways. They're an adult. Right, right, right. We're not adults yet. Oh no, no, never, no. never yeah. would do that. And my immaturity keeps me younger. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, do you think that play... So what I've noticed about it is that it's for most people, I don't think this is the case for you. I don't think this is the case for me, but for a lot of people, it tends to be cyclic. So when people are kids, you know, play all the time. And then when they get older, like teenager, um, young adult, they venture into more like acceptable ways to play, like sports or something of that nature, uh, then it kind of dwindles out and then it's not really there as an active part of their life until they have a kid or another like youthful energy. So does it have to be cyclic or? Well, no, I, I, I mean, it doesn't have to be, I think you and I have proven it doesn't have to be that, but there are, um, yeah, it seems to be, and I'm no social, like, I, I don't know what the social norms are in the world. I know that I see opportunity for um, people to be able to kind of break out of their mold and that like more things are becoming more popular. If you look at um, outdoor activities, again, this is, we kind of have to live in a vacuum remembering before COVID, but probably even now outside um, I still play, I play seven aside soccer as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are also like groups that meet, you know, there's a thing in Atlanta called Sons of Pitches. Okay, it's co-ed soccer. So people are getting together with soccer. There are um, book groups. There's, you know, um, why am I thinking there's like uh, treasure hunts? But I don't know. You know, you'll, scavenger you, hunts have been yeah, scavenger like hunts. really on the rise. You know, yeah. meetups for single people. Um, you know, there's opportunities in uh, singles groups. Uh, not just singles, but... Uh, just groups. Church functions, yeah. groups, organizations that kind of like are creating live events. And now mm-hmm. we're kind of adventuring into more um, uh, what online experiences too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, I think your question was, do we have outlets or is it, uh, have we, is it still cyclical? And I think 
Um, when you stay in that place that you don't um, get to explore anymore, you become like the shark that doesn't swim. You know, you're yeah. not breathing anymore. Right. I certainly don't want to be a shark, but I do want to be that fish that's uh, being chased maybe, but mm-hmm. you know, it also gets away with something so that I can go explore a new, a new, um, new area. Yeah. Find um, new waters. Kind of like we've done tonight. I'm, yeah. I'm swimming out in the ocean, hoping that I can still hold oxygen. Yeah. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Right. <laughs> um, why do people stop playing or get discouraged from? Okay, this is. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use a book that. Um, there's a great book about play yeah. and creativity because I think play circles around our ability to express. And there's a book um, I read when I lived in LA called The Artist Way, mm-hmm. and it's everybody you know who's a writer probably knows about it. But it's a paths to finding yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think when you and I general, not just you and I specifically, when we were kiddos, somebody in an art class said, oh, Sarah, (laughs) your boat doesn't look anything like Fred's. Fred is an artist. You, my dear, should stick to being a homemaker or something. And so that was a, these little cues that we get from society, from our family or from teachers or from friends. And maybe we weren't strong enough to just kind of explore and, and, and engage so I think those keep us beat down, if you will. These minute but, rejections. Did you say minute rejections? Yeah. 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 And those little minute rejections are kind of like elementals, if you will. There's an Eckhart Tolle in there where we're, we're, we're bringing, you know, negative energy that we've surrounded our, our soul and our, our spirit and our, our ethos or whatever, um, our id with this bad thought of like, ah, oh, I'll never be that. And, and there's also, and I talked to you about it earlier before we started recording, there's a fear of success that, you know, what am I going to do? There actually is a fear of success. But playfulness, like reading the artist's way, um, I think you're asking, do we stay stuck? Remind me of the question again, because I'm just going Why do off. people stop or get discouraged? Yeah, they get stopped because, yeah. because they've been told they're not. Yeah. Because they start believing in others and because they've let go of the fun mm-hmm. and they've maybe they're not exercising the brain mm-hmm. and i think that's the, you know as much as our bodies we have to eat right and try to you know stay healthy you have to exercise your your mind and keep communicating and i don't know why do people stop it's the saddest thing in the world and you read about it all the time yeah. they stop because somebody told them to stop and a lot of times it's an inner little tick that's inside us that says you're not worthy you're not worthy so you are very worthy um sarah by the way (laughs) well you are worthy too i appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) um so then I, I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper um, oh, like put this. a little pressure on oh, you man. just based oh, yeah. on that question okay. do makes... you feel or have you ever felt restrictions on yourself well and and restrictions like been ever felt that um that I've stopped that you've stopped your innately playful nature that absolutely, you've had to tone it down absolutely to me breathing every day is creativity is is 
is making mistakes, is having something happen that you didn't expect and getting a reaction. So I have found the life block and writer's block, and I don't want to you know talk too much about me, but yeah, I've been there. So I think, how do you get out of it? Because you didn't ask me that, but I, you know, kind of comes back to, um, you know, ask a friend, reach out, um, listen to other inspirations, podcasts, um, and nobody should give up because that, and not everybody thinks they're creative, but everybody has a story inside them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, I have, I have, and I, um, found the gift of just reading and kind of con- continuing to journal. Um, do you journal? I mean, I'm seeing a lot of your writing. Oh yeah. I journal quite a bit. Um, I have a lot of different notebooks for a lot of different things, What I've gotten through habitually now into the routine of is my daily planner. I actually mm. spend quite a bit of time with that. It's a monthly, weekly and daily thing. And I actually, um, stamp it i've carved stamp these, your mm-hmm, i've carved these eight and a half by 11 like stamps and i very it's a very like hands-on thing but it makes me the whole process of it it's not efficient necessarily it's efficient as it can be but the whole process of inking up the stamps stamping it and then penning it in well, and what, what's on the stamp what's on this eight and a half by it's, 11 yeah it's um there's different formats so there's the the monthly format so it's a calendar and then the weekly which is like a reflection of of the week with different spaces for me to reflect on different things mm. and then the daily is like a, a schedule for the day uh and then also like uh, I've actually gamified it quite a bit to tap back into my, my play inspiration. Um, what does but, that mean you've gamified it? Yeah, I have created... So instead of just being uh, like little spreadsheets or like lines on the paper, it's actually... There's a section on it that's a, a scroll sort oh, of design. Cool. Oh, and nice. on that, I, I usually write uh, quests, which is basically the tasks that I have to do cool. for the day. So anytime I get to, to gamify something I, I i tend to because that just helps me so you know, much i want to see your stamp i know it's probably internal but i want to see your scrolls okay um, yeah and, i'd love to um, share them with you so that's pretty cool what gave you the idea to make a stamp um well i i've always grown up using planners and agendas and things my elementary school teacher started me off on that and i've always found that i've been most productive and also like in tune with myself when I have a planner or agenda. So that's always something that I've known that I've needed. But since I, and I always just use the school's version of their planner. But when I graduated, I suddenly didn't have a school anymore. (laughs) So I've tried to like buy all these different agendas and planners from different companies and some were good, some were okay. But I always found that there were things that I just wasn't using uh, in them that came from the the companies just that I I didn't really need that weren't working for me and that I needed to track. And then there were things that I would like to track for myself that weren't included. So I decided I might as well just make one for myself. And I, I really love, I really appreciate and adore the people who can commit to a full-on bullet journaling. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's essentially where you create this like very elaborate 
it can be simple too, but you have to manually create a whole layout each day or set it up for the whole month or do any of that. But it's, it's so much work, uh, because you're creating from scratch each day. Um, and I know for myself that I can't do that. So what I, the compromise that I came to was I've always appreciated and liked stamps, uh, you know, the physical like ink and rubber. Um, so what I decided was that I would just make a layout and then carve it (laughs) into some, uh, you made the stamp, you mm -hmm. carved the stamp yourself. I did. Yeah. And so, and they're reusable. So I re I print each month uh, at the end of, at the end of every month. Could you make me an empty stamp that I can fill out? Sure. I mean, we we have to talk a little bit more about it, depending on what you would want it to be. But, well, I yeah. know, but I mean, like maybe. So you you make the stamp every month is a different stamp. So the the stamp is the same because it's just this like eight and a half ish by eleven okay. piece of rubber or aluminum, right, right. and then I've carved it. But what I do is each month I have a different color that I use for my planner, and so I you know I see what paint you're it up yeah, and you then ink stamp that, but ink, basically yeah. the same mold, if you will, yeah. with a different color. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I when I was in England as a kiddo, it just reminds me I made a stamp because I my grandmother was like, well, people have helped you raise money to go play soccer in England you have to send him a postcard. So I made a postcard that said, having fun, wish you were here, Joe. And I stamped, Aww. I would just stamp postcards. And then of That's course so I learned cute. to kind of write a little bit more on it. But sure. um, That's so anyway, nice. I'm not trying to make it about me. I just think that, I, I think it's cool that, um, you know, I can see you uh, doing that. Well, I think anything that's, that brings that kind of opportunity to be, like to find solace within yourself and to like really be with yourself and to create something is important for people to have. And that can be different things for different people. Like for some people, it's like working out really hard in a gym. For some people, it's, you know, reading a book. Um, for some people, it's just bad, like being quiet or doing yoga or cooking or something like that. Mm. But I, it's very therapeutic, not only going through the whole process of making the layouts and the stamp and everything but then each day getting getting to fill it out and go through the exercises that i've set up for myself and then reflecting on them is really nice i think that's cool i i I think just journaling without you know you were talking about the complexity of journaling and really making it not for me it sounded very overwhelming in some of the planning and the like you were talking about a, a bigger journal that you had to some matrix journal or something where you had to like make some calculus or something. That's my interpretation, but in the writers, uh, the, the artist way, they talk about morning pages, which is just wake up. Don't even think, just pick the sheet of paper up and just start to write the, you know, just everything that comes out of your head. Yeah. Don't do the self edit. Yeah. Um, there was a comedian. I saw uh, him, David Steinberg. I actually, met him on a commercial but anyway he talked about he was journaling but with a tape recorder and he picked up the 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 his tape recorder every morning that he woke up and he was like he would tell his dreams uh, and he was like he would you know enunciate and verbalize his dreams and he's like one day he decided to play it back and so he he rewound the tape and he played it and it was like So kind of unintelligible. Yeah, unintelligible. Thank you very much. You're like, Joe, that is not entertaining to the audience. (laughs) But uh, you would have to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's so funny. Well, I think um, based on everything that we've kind of talked about, these different ways that that play and just having fun and enjoying oneself is important and the different ways that it can manifest and just considering all of that, are there consequences to losing that? Well, I don't know yet because I haven't lost it, but I mean, the consequences are, I appreciate it. I think the consequences, because I have lost it in times, the consequences of losing play or exploration or um, opportunity in one's life is, you know, depression, is um, uh, stagnation, is, you know, troubled communication in their life is, you know, I think... I think play is, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm kind of almost without making fun of what we're doing. I'm tired of saying the word play because play is, has all these connotations, but I think to me, to me, it's like the exploration of creative understanding or just learning to fall up or fall down and, 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 uh, talking. What's the consequences? That's pretty dark. It's, it's sitting, you know, in a rocking chair and you know, I don't know, it's, it's depression. What, what, if I asked you the same question, because I'm curious, it's almost like I'd rather you use my, your answer, but <laughs> if you, um, what do you think the consequences of not having play yeah. in your life? Can you imagine it? Tell me. Oh yeah, well I can absolutely imagine it because I've I've felt it. It's only recently that I've been trying to get back into it, um, and I I can just see like butterfly effects of it. Yes, there's the there's depression, um, but that's kind of on an individual level. But if everybody is kind of restricting the joy from themselves and not finding outlets to just be creative or to be curious or whatever that means for them. If people aren't finding joy in their lives, then they're going to discourage instead of encourage and pull down instead of uplift Mm. the people around them. And that just makes me really sad. So I think play is super important in any capacity. I, I, I think something that goes on in, in the lack of um, joy or, and joy doesn't have to be like happy, 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 yeah. but just joy to me is um, a movement of the mind in in um, thinking about, I don't know, just kind of being uh, interested in, in others and, and learning more about kind of the people around you and um, is that at a certain point in your life, you just have to say it, you know, you just have to not care what anybody else is thinking and know that that little person, the playful person that's inside you, if you ever have been in therapy, it's like that child within that's really wanting the father to like them or the mother to help them, uh, you know, be such and such. That's always in their head. And the whatever doubts were placed, it didn't have to be by family. If you can let that go by discovering something else that you like, 
then stick with that. So, you know, I'm turning it around on its head again. What's the result? The result is a fight for survival. The result is if you get to that place where you stop, you're like, well, damn, I don't want to live like this. You know, I want to be around people who um, who inspire me to, to be myself. And if I can't be near that, then I will drop more or less the, those people from my kind of day-to-day and, and find other focuses um, in myself or, or, you know, in, in what I'm doing. So, um, I don't know. It's such a, I, I'm pretending it sounds like I'm, I'm like, I know something intellectually. I don't know anything more than, you know, the, the watch that's on my hand in front of me, but I know that I want to continue to create and see the joy from people learning about others through um, the visual medium that I'm involved in. And, and it's not just me, that I get a chance to be involved in. That is, to me, the luckiest outlook uh, on a daily basis, whether I'm dancing or singing or performing, which I don't do any of those things. Or if I'm uh, pretending to host uh, a travel show as I'm, I'm venturing in now, or um, if I'm helping somebody else edit a movie, um, that is so cool to feel. Um, the Godin, uh, the thinker, or whatever, that, that block of clay, and you keep chopping away at it. And then pretty soon, somebody's got their, their hand under their chin, and it looks like something amazing. Um, that's what we get to do as a writer on a piece of paper that somebody else reads, somebody else listens to, and then it's broadcast on a screen and there's some music and some sound effects happen. And if it's conflictive enough, you go home and you talk to your family about it and you're like, oh my God, I love that story. It reminded me of my childhood. That is what you and I, and that's what we can do to stop this stagnation is continue to, to, fall down and create and make mistakes and try it again. Yeah. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. <laughs> Too much said. No, no, no. That was perfect. That was perfect. Um, well, I think that's a, that's a wonderful stopping point. We touched on, we touched on a lot and I'm, I'm so grateful that we could have this conversation. Um, I did want to ask you, you did recommend uh, a book earlier. Is, are there any other books or movies that you would like to recommend Absol- to people? Absolutely. Um, I just saw this thing in Paris at the Pantheon, um, this pendulum, and I'm reading Foucault's um, pendulum and it's, it's spelled F-A-U-C- A-U-L-T-S. It's sitting around here somewhere. I'm kind of looking for it around the kitchen. Um, Pendulum. It's read, it's, excuse me, written by uh, Umberto Eco. And it's uh, an Italian translation of this. Really, it's a mystery, but it's talking about this pendulum that, you know, the earth spins, not the pendulum. And the earth makes the pendulum move, not the pendulum makes anything else move. So I've read that. uh, I just read um, the book by um, Malcolm Gladwell, and I am man, I'm searching for it. But it's something about uh, it's it was after Blink, and it's like 
Oh. Friends, um, do you know what I'm talking about? What's I was going to say Blink because that's the only yeah, title. But, but, um, <laughs> no, he's written oh, a whole bunch of no. stuff. He's a really good writer. Okay, well, um, no, but anyway, that's that's it. And I would say Lost Daughter. Yeah. Is that a book? Book. That's a, book. a movie? A movie. Lost Daughters? Yeah, I would recommend that. Okay, cool. But Wonderful. Me, I'm Joe Binford and Sarah. I mean, Sarah Jones Isley, I'm... Man, I was so honored to be on this. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, thank you so much for for inspiring inspiring me to to play. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome back, everyone. I don't know about you, but that podcast really hit the rent for me. I hope you enjoyed that pleasant little episode with Joe Binford. There's never a dull moment when Joe's around, and I'm glad I got to share one of those not-so-dull moments with you. Joe wanted me to let you know that the book he was referencing was Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, so go and check that out. And if you'd like to follow Joe and his creative endeavors, then you should follow him on Instagram at directing with an editor's eye. That's his handle, all one word, directing with an editor's eye. You can also find a little bit more about Joe out on the accompanying article for this podcast on the Let Me Play Project Substack account. And you can subscribe there if you would like notifications sent every week to your email. You can also follow the Let Me Play Project on all of our social media accounts. We've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram, we've got Substack, and I think that's it, but you know we'll see. Everything is at the Let Me Play Project. And you can continue following the podcast on Substack, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hopefully we'll be on Apple Podcasts soon, but till then, that's where you find us. We'll be back next week with another noun and another guest to fit it. Thanks for playing.